Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hey everyone, Murph here, Thursday show. Uh, no stocks today. Stocks is looking after his little boy Hunter. Uh, he's with us in spirit, and Stocks, I know you're listening because you're uh, doing the edit for the show. So hi and hi to Hunter. Hope you guys are having a great afternoon. Look forward to catching up with you next week in person. But rather than me being in an empty room by myself, uh, I decided to you know, bring in some company as always. So my guest today is uh, the former face of uh, Channel 5 and Channel 4 coverage of the NFL, part of the live coverage for the talk sport, as well as also the BBC coverage for the NFL. And he also hosts the Nat Coombs Show, which is available on all good podcast outlets. It's Nat Coombs. Nat, how are you doing? Welcome to Five Yard Rush. It is good to be on. And I... Um... Firstly, I want to give a shout out to Stocks. I'm sorry that he's uh, he is not here today, but as you say, with us in spirit. So that is good news. And also, uh, difficult call whether having me on the show preferable to you sitting in a dark room alone talking for 40 minutes. <laughs> that's uh, that's a pick him. If that was a line in Vegas, it would just be it would be off the board. Absolutely not. Um, as much as I do like my own company, and <laughs> I don't get my own company anymore now that I've got a ten-week-old boy. Oh, congrats! Then somehow <laughs> I'll pick you every time. So. Oh man, that you see flattery will get you everywhere, my friend. And congrats on the little boy. Uh, and that's the great thing about being a dad. Uh, I am uh, too, uh, and loving the NFL is, or I guess pretty much any American sport is pretty obvious that that Sunday night into Monday morning shift is selflessly. I'll I'll take it, darling. I'll I'll, I'll deal with it. I'll take it, <laughs> and uh, you get brownie points for the rest of the week and get to watch Sunday night football. It is it is win win. It's also, I've got this perfectly strategized. So I struggle with the six o'clock games because mm. it's bath time, spend a bit of time with him. I don't see him much during the week. So the six to half seven bit, I kind of record red zone. Smart, I, love I it. I watch that uh, at a later date. But then the the wife and the boy go to bed around half seven, quarter to eight on a Sunday so that that's his best time for sleeping. He'll get a three, four hour stint in there. Perfect. So I can watch Red Zone. I've got Game Pass up so I can catch the end of the Buccaneers losing. And then I've got Red Zone and Scott Hansen on there. 
Talksport on the radio, of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so, yeah. so I've got all three. And, and that's the point, because I actually really, when it comes to Game Pass, I always find the commentary, it's good, but unless you've got Tony Romo, it's not great. So I always would rather listen to you and Mike and, and Ben. So always got that. That's playing through the Alexa in the background. <laughs> I love it. What I find annoying about, and actually I'm going to rephrase this, because there is nothing annoying about Game Pass, the greatest sporting broadcast invention of all time but yeah. what i find most frustrating about a game pass which is something obviously it can't overcome is that it inevitably jumps just when you want to get that follow-up analysis of what just happened you know uh, which is always which i miss and i do miss and do try as much as i can and have uh, a game in its entirety as well and it's the pace and the ebb and flow of that not just for the different pace of it but we'll say for that kind of nuance and detail you get from a good analyst that you just can't get on game pass or you might get a smash and grab version of it and then it cuts to the cults are in the red zone you know and you're off again so it's um it's terrific but it does that is one thing that is lacking for obvious reasons yeah it is but you know we can't have it all right otherwise uh, yeah. it might put well, it wouldn't put you out of a job but it might put others out of a job that are trying to aspire and uh, get on the radio and get some coverage so Call it a gap and an opportunity in the market for everybody else to, to try and get in there. <laughs> a fair point well made. A fair point well made. Um, so, yeah, you were you were obviously at the game on uh, on Sunday, as was I. I, I saw you um, eating lunch. I didn't want to disturb because I know time was, was quite precious. But it, it was a pretty pretty good spread there. And uh, the hospitality well, there. Spread, yeah. is, Loving is that. Incredible. I got there and it's difficult because um, these you find this like particularly acutely at the Super Bowl when you which where the days are crazy, right? And again, never complain about it because you're here at the Super Bowl working it, but you can often go a long time without really eating. And that's true when you're doing a live game as well. Like if I'm doing a TV game for the BBC, uh, it's it's partly, you know, pre-show, it's just like playing, you know, playing sport. It, you know, you're not necessarily your usual. So some people love stuff in themselves, but you know, you've got a lot of adrenaline, however many times you've been doing it, they're just natural nerves and you just want to particularly want to eat too much. But uh, I thought, okay, I'll grab something before the broadcast. We're doing the radio broadcast on Sunday. Uh, thinking I'll just get a salad and pick away at that. And then I saw this beautiful beef that, I mean, Spurs were just laying it on thick. So I ended up piling my plate high and having probably the best pregame meal I've had in, in years. So uh, you should have come over and, Broke the bread and said hi, man. Ah, uh, yeah, it should have done. But I know, I know, time's precious, and I know you probably get uh, a few uh, comments here and then. Sometimes you think, do you know, what? I just want to eat in peace because I know someone interrupts me during a meal, and I just think, oh, do you know what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't really want to be that person. But I did catch, uh, I did catch Mike there. I saw him because he got there quite early, and I he'll was, talk to, I, he'll talk to anyone. Yeah. <laughs> so. Really well. um, and we, we had a good chat and, uh, and everything so but it was incredible uh, and we'll get onto the games um shortly but it's just incredible to uh, just nothing beats watching the nfl live and we you know we've just talked about game pass we've talked about watching the coverage but when you watch it live you, you just get a so much better perspective of, of what's going on you just see so much more and, and just get that better understanding and I mean, for you, I mean, you cover a few more games than I do, obviously, with the, all the London games and then Super Bowl and, and that. But, I mean, for you, perspective, watching it from the, from the press box as opposed to, you know, just catching it on Game Pass or watching it in the stands? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good point. And actually, it varies. So for the two Spurs games this season, the, because I did those for, for radio, the radio booths, and they had their own booths. Sometimes when you do a radio broadcast, like say the, the Super Bowl that we did in Atlanta, for talk sport earlier this year we're in the press box so you're kind of in the thick of it uh, outdoors essentially mm-hmm. whereas this was done inside a booth so and on the top deck so you're right next to all the radio broadcasters and next to each other and you're also next to uh, the coaches and also uh, replay and stats and all of that crew they're all on the top deck and there's a very good reason for it and it reminded me my first ever season covering the game professionally was 2007 would you believe uh, for channel five my my rookie year and about five or six weeks in we were sent me and mike were sent to atlanta to do a game uh from the old georgia dome and it was the falcons against the giants and osi was playing in that game for the giants it was the year they went on to win the, the first of the two eli super bowls and we did the game from a similar vantage point right in the gods the top deck of the georgia dome and it was a crazy old thing because, it, like I say, my first season of doing live, live anything, live sport, and we our production crew was back at home. So we had this crazy delay uh, where we couldn't 
hear them for about 10 or 15 seconds. We didn't have any replay at all. So we didn't, this was really sort of basic setup compared to, you know, where we are now, 12 years on or whatever it is. Uh, so we were winging it. I mean, I remember Carlson called a play. He said, I want to do that as analysis. And the guy, the producer back home, Nick Geltner, shout out to Nick Geltner. Uh, he said, Mikey, he was American as well. He said, Mikey, sure, uh, you don't have the replay there. And Mike said, no, no, I remember what happened. And Mike literally called, called the analysis on this play from memory. And this was like the fifth or sixth week of working with him. And I already knew he was good. Uh, at, you know, we were already starting to forge that uh, that partnership. But I remember sitting there thinking, Jesus, man, this guy is a heavyweight. How did he do that? Uh, but the vantage point and the reason the coaches take that spot is because you get a brilliant perspective of the game from up there uh, that you don't when you're closer down to the action, a different perspective anyway, but certainly tactically it's perfect, which is was obviously why the coaches are up there as well. So Spurs was special in that way that I didn't expect the booth to be there. I figured we'd just be out slightly lower down with the rest of the press corps, presumably where you guys were, but uh, we were up in the gods and it was very special to watch, to watch a game from there. And I had an easy gig as well, right? I'm, I'm the host, so I do all the pregame, blah, 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 blah. And then let Ollie Wilson and uh, Mike Carlson call the play-by-play. And I can sit back and watch it, you know? So that's the best of best of both worlds. When you're doing telly, it's a little bit different because they keep you coming back in vision all the time. So you've got to have your wits about you and you never fully relax. So I find when if I'm doing the BBC game, you know, with OC and Jay and, uh, and, and Carlson, I will enjoy it. And I have this odd, there's this odd balance of everything is going in and you're completely in the moment. But at the same time, you're slightly de- detached from it, uh, if that makes any kind of sense at all. So no, lots does. of different experiences. But uh, to your original point, yeah, if, if your listeners haven't managed to get to see a game live yet, put it on your bucket list because it is a special thing for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So actually, we know somebody, uh, his name is Jacob Barner. So Jacob is attempting to set the world record for uh the fastest visit to all 32 teams in their home state. oh yeah yeah yeah. i've seen this guy on twitter yeah yeah yeah. i think yeah. I, I think um he reached out to to our espn show i'm pretty sure he did yeah jacob barner that's it so yeah so he he came on i, I was speaking to him yesterday actually because oh, cool. uh i've got major <laughs> major jealousy of uh of that and he he said actually so far of the trip and this surprised me mm. that kansas city and arrowhead is leading the way as his favorite experience. As his favorite all-round experience in terms of from tailgating and the mm. tailgating experience. And then on top of that, covering off the game and the atmosphere and the noise. Just yeah. as an overall experience so far with all the games he's been to. So he's about halfway through. Yeah. He's ranking that at number one right now. Has he been to New Orleans is my question. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's got there yet. Yeah. So he That'll... did the Florida teams. I know that. Yeah. I'll have to check his schedule. But yeah, New Orleans, I've been to the Superdome. It's uh, yeah. it's incredible there. And uh, What a yeah, city I, as well. Love it. I can't wait to Unbelievable city. Uh, yeah, if you go at the right time of year especially, then it's a very, yeah. very special place to go. Hopefully that's on the draft list at some point. If the draft ends up there, and I'm going to probably have to go and do I it. I love the fact the draft is in Vegas next year. We were talking so... The pod you mentioned at the top, I moved my pod to ESPN this year, and that has been brilliant for all kinds of reasons, but not least because of uh, obviously the US network, uh, as literally the network, but the, you know the network of connections that across the US. And so the Super Bowl, we've got some pretty big plans for. But I was in a production meeting the other day, and somebody said, uh, what are we doing after the season? And this is entirely sponsor dependent, so this could all come crashing down, of course, if uh, if we don't re-up with the sponsor but let's assume we, we can you know the guys were talking about how long should we go out to the draft for so i said where's the draft vegas <laughs> and everyone's eyes lit up and i mean we are, are going to go unnecessarily big on the draft i think is the uh, was the conclusion from that meeting i i think yeah you've, you've definitely got to i went to vegas in 2012 yeah. and went for 10 days and i tell you now 10 days is far too long <laughs> <laughs> yeah right exactly you've got you've got i've only ever been to vegas once and it's it's got to be smash and grab we um it was back in when i was starting out before i was doing uh broadcasting well nfl and sports presenting i was because i started out as a stand-up so i went out and gigged out there believe it or not and did um a great great room like a, full of college students and that was just, I think we did one gig. It was a four nights we were there, booked for one gig. 
and we could just chill for the rest of it. And it was perfect. Like that was the, so one night, including the night you land is a, I think the optimum time, anything longer than that. I think I would have gone completely doolally. We had a guy on the show that is a guy called Manny Kess, who is a fixer for all the top athletes in the States. So Odell, LeBron, and he's specifically the Vegas fixer for them, right? This guy, some of the stories he was telling us were uh, both on and off the air were <laughs> outrageous. But uh, at the end of it, Harry, our producer, Harry, the producer from uh, those who remember back in the day, Americanage fame, Harry's uh, still yeah. uh, still riding shotgun. And he um, uh, he said he made the connection, which I obviously hadn't at all about the draft at Vegas. And it's not just the draft at ESPN and Vegas, it's Manny Kess as well is going to be out there. So I oh, hope wow. we get access to some decent parties yeah 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 no, that's, that's awesome so you mentioned Americanage it's amazing do you know I, I actually in preparation for this went back and listened to one of the old episodes <laughs> did you Classic. it holds well it holds up really well like which one so, which one do you remember what uh, do, do you know what I I listened to it very briefly yeah um, I'm gonna look Just it to up now a, a taste of it was it the yeah. full crew in because that was the reason in the MY because we did get asked this question quite a lot why did why did we wind Americanage down it was partly you know, the run, things have a cycle, you know, naturally, and you kind of feel it. And we've been running it for five years, right, pretty much. And it was, we just all got incredibly busy with other things at the time we needed to record Americanish. So Dan got a, a super high-powered job in, in TV running Vice, the TV channel for Vice. He now runs Channel 5. I mean, Dan is, it's amazing. Dan is like one of the most powerful people in, in telly. And I was doing a lot of radio that clashed at the time and yada, 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 yada. So that was the only reason. There was nothing, nothing sinister in it. We just couldn't, couldn't make it work. So we were just, I was there, but Mike and Dan weren't. And then me and Mike were there and Dan wasn't and me and Dan. And, you know, that's fine sometimes. I think some of my favorite episodes are when it was me and Dan and it was Americarnage after dark. <laughs> just the two of us. And I think we, because we tried at times, there was stuff that we were doing that Mike would just be looking at us in, with utter, particularly if Marek Glarwood was in the house as well, with just utter bemusement and thinking, who are these idiots? What are they doing? The one I listened to was, the, so you've just right, it was, um, it was Dan's birthday. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it was Dan's birthday, and he was just telling the stories about what he'd been up to. I think you had been out, um, not cinema, theatre maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and I love it, you go on this big, long tangent, and then uh, and it's just, it, that's what I love about it. I think that's where all good podcasts go. So, you know, we, we host podcasts, and you, sometimes you get people, and you stick very much to the show sheet, and yeah. uh, you guys just, just went <laughs> and just told lots of stories, and just you could just tell how much fun it was happening it's it's a shame maybe maybe it's time for a, a reboot if if tfi can make a reboot then uh, maybe it's time well there is you know i guess in a way with the with the new espn pod a lot of the, the old because we're you know without getting all cliquey i'd hate that but there's a whole gang of us that you know have run around for a long time and a lot of those like you mentioned ben ben isaacs um you know he's been doing stuff with us for years obviously harry carlson uh, marrick marrick was on the show this week he on was, monday yeah very um, yeah, so uh, we've got to get Hollywood. Hollywood's just too, too busy cutting deals in Hollywood, <laughs> literally these days. So we've got to we've got to wheel Hollywood out. I'm not sure that the um, the worldwide leader is ready for Hollywood yet. <laughs> we have to have to try and create some kind of uh, uncensored, off the record version of the pod. I think, but yeah, it would um it would be good to get everyone together. But we we talk about it a bit, and you know, some of it, Harry's quite of the opinion. Well, you know, you can't can't go back and it'll what we don't want to do is get it get it back together and it is like any of those reunions like like the guns and roses reunion <laughs> you know yeah, just, why couldn't you just have kept it around 1988 89 appetite for destruction as opposed to you know 350 pound axel rose and no one else you remember from the band that's chinese democracy yeah that yeah uh, much as i loved the guitar work of buckethead it was just not not (laughs) not the same not the same no that that was not uh that was not an album that ever needed to be put out Um, (laughs) i remember when it came out i think it might be the most disappointing album i've ever bought wasn't it? Didn't it take them like 14 years? You hear this sort of Axel Rose, you write his album for 17 years. It's a bit like when you see a movie that uh, has, it, you'd, go to, you'd go to the cinema or even, you know, these days just buy it or download it or whatever and sit in that great movie time and the credits are rolling and that you see on the writing credits, if they roll them at the top and there are maybe six or seven writers. You just think, oh shit, this is going to be oh, crap. Because- yeah, there are just it's been the script has been doctored and doctored, 
and beating around and you know you know that's bad news it's the same with an album that yeah it took him 27 years in the making <laughs> great i can't wait can't you know wait what if it took if it took that long it's probably not any good just just bit it <laughs> <laughs> just been, it's it, they probably wrote appetite for destruction in three days you know that's why it was so good just smashed it arthur miller wrote death of a salesman in one night he wrote the first draft of death of a salesman in one night yeah uh, per, yeah exactly purple rain was written in on the in the back of a truck was it yeah that was written in one evening we went to um because the year before the super bowl was in minnesota so on the last day speaking of old americanish crew so phil spooner phil the producer who as he was back in the day who is now at the zone he's um working for the zone uh and flying high as well and he's also just become a dad actually uh he was out there because all the zone crew were and on the monday after the game we all went to um uh went to pay our respects to prince and go to paisley and it was as you'd expect really super special and it's an interesting thing because it's kind of in the middle of nowhere really uh the outskirts of of minnesota and it's always slightly odd and creepy when you're walking around a sh- essentially a shrine and you know a place where you know somebody one of the greats lived and breathed and created and you're now on a tour i never quite feel comfortable doing that but you know when you're going into some of the rooms that you know these hits were recorded in and these brilliant songs yeah it was it was worth doing it was worth doing i'm glad we managed to sneak that in on the on the monday i've just realized you said this a minute ago there was a running order right we spent 20 minutes on anything about your running order i'm sorry <laughs> That's what I said. These are these are the great pods where the conversations go off. I had Mark Schofield on, and I think we spent twenty minutes talking about music. So it, it just happened. So, <laughs> but let, let's transition this back then into how you actually started broadcasting for the NFL in badly. the UK, and how you got started <laughs> from stand up to to yeah. sports. Yeah, well, uh, that is exactly it. So I I started out as a stand up, which which. It's an interesting thing to, for me, anyway, probably for no one else, to, I would never refer to myself as a stand-up, uh, but I got my badges, definitely. I got my stripes. So I did it for maybe four years, five years, maybe did 500 gigs. I got signed by an agent, got to, you know, do 20-minute sets, you know, paid for it around the country, did a few TV and radio spots. So I, it's a bit, I suppose it's a bit like getting to a fairly decent level at college, but feeling I never went to the pros insofar as I stopped dead you know and I really did it was just I don't want to do this anymore and not I didn't have a bad experience it's not it was kind of on the cards in my head for a while but I I had a moment where I thought what do I really want to do here because I stumbled into it and like I say I guess I had a bit of success early and a, a bunch of us uh, you know Marek was one of my contemporaries and but some brilliant stand-ups there was a whole group of us like uh Rod Gilbert and Greg Davis and all these brilliant comics and you could tell this is what they wanted to do and I didn't I knew I didn't want to do that and I wanted to do sports and was trying to work out how and i suppose it got me a leg up or a foot in i should say because by having an agent it started getting me tv and radio spots and i turned around and said like i really want to concentrate on this space and they said well you're gonna kind of have to start again but if that's what you want to do like we'll back you and and that's what i did and uh and just took any job i could and worked my way up a little bit and got a break where i got a i did a poker show (laughs) um uh speaking of vegas did a poker show for uh, Bravo, the channel Bravo, which I don't even know if it still exists, but <laughs> I don't think it does, no. doesn't exist anymore. It would commission things like this. And it was a good transitional gig because they wanted a host that could um, have a bit of fun with it. That's exactly what I did. And that show was made by the production company that made the NFL. So it, that was an unbelievably lucky break. And it is a, an odd balance, really, of making sure you're in the right place. But at the same time, you need some breaks to go your way. And it, Colin Murray had, was my immediate predecessor on Channel 5, and he moved to Radio 1, I think. Couldn't do it anymore anyway. And that production company screen tested for it. And because I'd worked with them and I'd gotten quite well with them, they knew I, I love my NFL. So they said, would you be interested in screen testing? I said, you kidding? Of course. But it was live TV, so it was a bit of a gamble for them because I'd never done live TV. I suppose that my live stand-up grounding helped me a little bit in that I was terrified for a lot of the first season certainly the first show but at the same time not phased if that makes any kind of sense you know so it was a totally different skill set and i was pretty crap the first year i'd hold my hands up and say that just technically and uh you know for all kinds of reasons but gradually got stronger and thankfully they had me back and and i was away so i rolled with i rolled with mike on channel five for a few years and then and then i went to espn for the first time so 
I moved over when ESPN had the Premier League rights over here and I did a chat show with Kelly Cates, which was kind of entertainment sports crossover and uh, had a happy few years there and then went back to Channel 4. Uh, they'd had the rights for a couple of years, I think, and I, I went back. I couldn't do it for a few years when I was with ESPN contractually, but I went back to them. Uh, and yeah, I'm just kind of bounced or bounced around ever since wherever the rights are gone. It's amazing. And you know, it, it, it it's so amazing that it's stuck for that long and it's you and Mike and you, you were there at the beginning and you, you're still there together now. I just think it's, and, and you guys have such amazing chemistry. It's just fantastic to see you both still working together, still loving it. And you know, it, it's, it's, I don't know, it's just, it's just great to, as a fan of the NFL to, to watch. We, we had, um, somebody post on Twitter about, can't remember who it was exactly, but I remember them saying that they, they felt that the coverage with Neil Reynolds didn't really, or any UK coverage didn't really cover a lot of depth in the game and felt it was a little disappointing. And I, th- I think I timed in, I tagged you and Mike and, and Neil. I said, well, I, I think it's really unfair. I think the coverage here is in such great shape and it's, yeah. it's better than it ever has been and, and it continues to get better. Not just, and I think it's almost as, you're almost a victim of your own success with that comment because the NFL's got so big and people are, are, have learned so much they're trying mm. to absorb more but it's that fine balance isn't it between making it so it's not niche to just those who have been watching the NFL for years and being yep. inclusive to fans who are watching it the first time and I think people kind of forget that absolutely it's a really really good point I think it's always been like that to a degree where you don't want to go to to extremities so you don't want to dumb down things too much and patronize your audience and their ability to connect and join the dots and and particularly now that most people are enabled digitally so can look stuff up in the way that you know I couldn't when I was a kid and I first watched the game I wrote um so the next game uh, the Wembley game the first Wembley game the next game in London I've written a column for the program and it's actually about um podcasts the but the kind of opening gambit of it is that me and Vern were talking at the Raiders practice uh, a few weeks back because we're about the same age and you know grew up and fell in love with the game around the same time we were remembering all the different ways that we used to get information and watch stuff and you know back in the back in the 80s being a kid in the 80s and 90s you know it was pre-internet and um and often you you watch highlights and the first time i ever watched nfl it just came on tv and i'd never seen it before and i had no idea what it was and i just had to and I loved it straight away. And I just had to understand, start to understand it from the commentary, right? Um, and so I don't think you need to have this patronizing, there are four chances to get 10 yards. You know, I don't, I don't think you need that. People can work that out. At the same time, I think you're absolutely right that if you're too, uh, uh, too much inside the game to the degree where you are alienating people with, partly with um, just the the direction that you're taking a conversation and doesn't mean you can't use technical terms and should feel that you have to always explain them either but explain them sometimes and don't uh, i think a mistake some broadcasters make in uh, and it's not specific to nfl this but kind of generally it's partly a host thing i think i'm very much of the belief that the host should steer conversation and be the mc and of course at times maybe react and offer an off-the-cuff opinion or a kind of comeback and move on. But the host is there to do that, and the analysts are there as the experts to give their opinion. And I think, for me, that makes the best dynamic. It's always been the school of broadcasting I've liked, right? And I think sometimes some presenters are, look what I know, look what I know, and I'm telling you what I know all the time and desperately trying to show you what they know, and that's the wrong way. And that can kind of create this culture of a bit too, um, yeah, just a bit too impenetrable, I think, for a for the newer fans so and um, we've i mean it's it the whole era the late night era of me and mike i think one of the things that really worked and, and you know colin was doing this before me and he really set the tone for that and there were a number of other presenters beforehand so it by no means began with me and mike i guess you know we had the longest run at it and as you say we always we always clicked and uh, but you know there were lots of other you know colin was brilliant at, at it as well it, it we felt it felt really inclusive. It was come along for the ride. We're all up at 2 a.m. watching this and yeah. everybody's welcome. And it doesn't matter if you're turning on for the first time or you've been watching it since since the 80s or before and you're a hardcore fan. And I think our, our conversation and chat covered that. So we would, Mike would suddenly make an unbelievably technical point and it had its place. And I would try partly because I was learning still to that degree. And I'd ask him a question that I not deliberately because i think oh this is what the people at home are thinking it's because i was what i was thinking like well what what explain that Mm -hmm. at the same time 
we then spend three minutes talking about um, who our favorite Muppet was, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which head coach looked most like a Muppet. <laughs> if a Muppet was coaching a team, which team would he coach? And and it just all seemed to to work. To work. Uh, so it was a special time at that that late night show. And we try and appreciate what you're saying about, you know, me and Mike still doing stuff together. When we were looking at the ESPN pod and working out, we do four episodes a week. It was a, a no brainer. I said, one of these is me and Mike. Wednesdays is going to be me and Mike and we're going to deep dive and we're not going to have a particular uh, agenda, like really strict tight running order. If we want to go off on stuff, we will. And, and it's mainly to let Mike, Mike do his thing because he is a brilliant broadcaster. And much as I always take the mickey mickey out of him and vice versa i mean quite obviously uh you know uh, i have a, a huge amount of respect and even now after all these years i want to hear what he's got to say about this and that and that th- in my mind there's nobody better in the business that that's a fair comment i'm a big fan um i do like the fact he always struggles to keep things to his top five it's never five <laughs> yeah. it's always seven or eight i mean i could list a top five of classic mike is my favorite of all time was when we were doing, we were doing, I think it was still Channel 5. I mean, he's done this on more than one occasion, actually, but there was one unbelievable moment when I was doing the intro to the show, so the very first line that we're coming on air, and he just started talking over me. He was just, and I just burst out laughing, like, I can't, I'm introducing the show, and you're already interrupting me. And he started laughing, and that was one of my favorites. The other all-time great was, when Mike got cramp on air, which was just, I mean, I, sh- I shouldn't laugh, but it was unbelievable. We were just, I mean, if you can imagine, I lost it. Everyone in my ear in the gallery is just absolutely p- pissing themselves. And Mike is just walking around the studio like, oh, crap, oh, man, because he got really bad cramp in his legs. Oh, I mean, you know, these are good, good times. I don't think we'll ever see the like of... Uh, like of that i hope we do i hope they bring back uh you know the late night game and reboot it within within you know the next generation because i think a lot of fans uh you know a lot of fans fell in love with the game because of that and whilst it's great the work that sky are doing it's a pity that they don't put a broadcast team around that late night game because i think there's a big difference between watching it with presenters and just watching it off the tube i just think there's a there's a big old difference no i i completely agree and uh you know, I'm as big a fan of Mike as anyone, and if he was able to do it, that and you guys, if it was possible, be that would be amazing. Um, Mike still has the record as the longest ever podcast by a guest on this podcast. <laughs> of course, he does. Of course, um, he does. we we oh, had a 40 minute podcast that ran for one hour and 47 minutes, <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't <laughs> cut any of it. There wasn't course, anything in there anything. to cut. I was like, this is going out as is. <laughs> I'm acutely aware, actually, I'm doing a classic Carlson and Greg Brady, who's another one of our, uh, you know, long-term collaborators, another brilliant broadcaster, um, has a tendency to do this as well. And it's fun being in this seat as opposed to, you know, your seat, the host seat, in that um, we were joking about who has the, who's given us the longest answer uninterrupted out of Brady and Carlson. And I think there was one show where they were both on. And it was, I think I must have said about four things. It was just, I'm going to go and make, I'm going to go make lunch, you guys. You crack on. <laughs> 18 minute answers. But I, I'm very aware, and apologies, listeners, like I've been guilty of that today. So I'll, uh, I'll try and become a bit more economical as the, show, as the show progresses. I think anyone that's listening to this and is, uh, has probably listened to your podcast and subscribes and probably watches you and, and, and knows it's just a joy just to hear anything uh, you have to say and some insight. So I wouldn't apologize for that. But let's let's talk about the london games you've had so far so we've had the two games at, at tottenham and the incredible stadium what are your thoughts on the two games that we have had because they've been very different uh mm. games and, and it's all your take on those yeah that's absolutely right they have been i mean the i love the raiders game the raiders bears game because I, i'm kind of pulling for the raiders a bit i think uh I wasn't sure last year when they were over it was all a bit dysfunctional and they didn't want to be here and it was you know and obviously they're didn't turn up against Seattle and I don't know maybe it's hard knocks it's probably a bit of that I think you're always slightly drawn to a team you watch on hard knocks and Antonio Brown mess and but I think it's more than that I think it's the fact that it is you know Hunter Renfro and Waller and um, Josh Jacobs and all these young players that despite the dysfunction are getting it done also I really like Mike Mayock I really rate him and I really um uh I really like the fact he stood up to Antonio Brown 
or to that situation when you're thinking, I mean, most, I think that showed a lot of strength in most situations. I was, remember when the story was breaking, we didn't realize the severity of it. So this is before all the allegations made against him, but just when he was behaving oddly and not turning up and had the whole, you know, the iced feet thing. And I remember I was on a holiday and listening to, you know, a pod the morning after American pod about what was catch up, what was going on. And Mayock just gave this press quote to the press, just a statement to the press no nonsense 30 seconds and i remember thinking fair play man you're you're a heavyweight if you're doing that when the raiders are not going to be that good and he is by far your best player and you're prepared to tell him where to go you're that you're going to you're going to be fine and so i'm really made up for them and i think that final drive is brilliant uh, uh, the final thing i'll say on that as well is something i'm quite passionate about takes a player like Derek carr and you had this with amari cooper ironically you ironically because he was his former teammate but this i get really really fed up with this tendency that to write off players on the basis of a down period so Derek carr did not become a bad quarterback uh he and he might have had a prolonged lack of form should we say but he's playing on a bad team in a messy situation and then had a new coach and they were a terrible team last year why have we suddenly thought Derek carr isn't a good quarterback now i'm not saying he's a top six elite quarterback i'm not saying he's Mahomes or wilson or even watson but he is a good he, i mean i think it was his second year maybe first yeah god i think it was rookie season second year i remember he was voted well i remember i was looking this up the other day to get a really strong second year and I, when i was looking up that season one of the things i found was he was voted by his contemporaries right by other nfl players in the top 25 or top 30 players of the season if you were voted by your peers with that accolade you're a you're a player you don't you know you don't suddenly become a bad player or rarely do you fall off a cliff right so i just it just drives me mad it's like amari cooper he's a heavyweight receiver oh what a ridiculous deal the cowboys have done i mean amari cooper's rubbish no he's been rubbish for a period of time because every player or most players have a dip in form tom brady threw for didn't even complete half his passes and threw for a hundred and whatever yards the other day and no Bob Brady's up. That's a terror. You know, it's just a bad performance from an exceptional player. And uh, so I'm, you know, I'm glad that Card masterminded that drive and stuck two fingers up at the haters. And I wish them well. I hope the Raiders have. I hope the Raiders make the playoffs. That'd be great, wouldn't it? I, I'm a big fan. I I love Chucky. Being a, a Tampa fan, I yep. lived in Tampa um, the first few years he was there. I went to the Super Bowl that uh, that we won. And you know, I was trying to describe to somebody because he was. People maybe don't watch the American telecast, so uh, there's probably some newer fans who weren't overly familiar with uh, with John Gruden. And I was trying to find a way to compare him to somebody who people might know. And kind of the best comparison I could give was Jose Mourinho. Like, he's yes. prime time, he's box office. No matter yeah. what interview, press conference, whatever it is, everyone will watch. Everyone will tune in and everyone will hang on every word he says because... He will always give you that nugget, that soundbite, that bit of insight. Plus, he'll give you the punchline. He'll give yeah. you. He's just is. He can fill column inches all by himself. And um, I love the interview he did with OC because you got to see the more humorous side of Gruden, which you don't get to see too often. But if you right. follow the teams he coaches, that is what he's like. And yeah. um, I like the fact that they had that that rapport, him and OC, and I think that brought that side out because I think he's. He's an incredible mind in the, yeah. in the game, and you know the game. The game is poorer without coaches like that in it. So yeah, uh, I'm totally I'm well said for him. Yeah, spot on. I couldn't. I, I'm not going to add anything to that. You've absolutely nailed that. Uh, completely spot on. <laughs> well, yeah. It, well, I've had, must be what 16 years of Gruden. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you're not strong on Gruden, that. then you need to go back to the drawing board. Yeah, yeah exactly. So. Going to the other game then in, in London, um, obviously we saw on Sunday, we saw the Buccaneers um, hand a W to, to the Panthers. What are, what are your thoughts on on Winston? Can he recover from, from this kind of performance? And can yeah, you I think so. Yeah, I, well, sorry, you, I cut you off and you were going to ask a really interesting question, which I no, think I was... I was going to say, can he reach the levels of being, say, a top 10 quarterback? Yeah, yeah that... That's the that's the big question, isn't it? Because again, I suppose they're two slightly different things. Can he recover from Sunday? Definitely. And to my point earlier, he's been playing some of the best football he's played as an NFL pro under Arians, right? That he has. He kind of came to London with some real swagger and 
so again, he hasn't suddenly regressed indefinitely as a result of that. But he, you know, and a lot always going to be compared with Mariota. And now he's lost a starting job. Mm. Questions are going to be asked. And are, is, do you pay Winston? And I think it's difficult for all of these GMs that have quarterbacks like that and quarterbacks like Dalton and I suppose Tannehill for a while at Miami. Uh, and that level of quarterback uh, at Flacco for a number of years after the ring at, at Baltimore where they're not top 10 quarterbacks and they're just clearly not by any metric or assessment top 10 quarterbacks. But what do you do? Because do you really, I mean, what are the alternatives? Unless you get lucky in the sense you get a Russell Wilson or a Dak Prescott, a third rounder, and you can build around them because of the, because of the money you're saving, or you're getting a lock franchise type like luck, um, uh i mean mahomes uh, to an extent were they lucky getting him and you know maybe you know in supposed to trubisky was the sure thing i suppose in some people's eyes but you know unless you kind of land somebody that is generational isn't that's, that's what you're gonna get you're gonna there you so i think it's a difficult decision to make like and obviously the money is is fundamental to this although the cap space increasingly is less of a problem than it was five years ago seven years ago for for front offices but yeah i don't know do i think mahomes is a top 10 quarterback i'm sorry do i think winston's a top 10 quarterback no do i think uh they should move on from him i'm not sure unless they've got a really strong contingency plan i wrote my column today actually for espn was about backups because it is feels like it's the year of the backup and just in terms of how many backups have seen action for different or, or quarterbacks that didn't start as number one on the depth chart right and let's put jacoby Brissett in there as well for for obvious reasons I think it was 11 already this season. And then 12, if you include Matt Barkley, who had a fairly decent amount of reps um, against the Patriots. And with Allen being quite an injury risk, we'll probably have more, right? So there's a, there's a bunch of, of quarterbacks. And Tannehill's a good example. Mariota, I guess, will become that kind of player who's uh, Teddy, who started and, and have form as a starter, who could probably come in and do a serviceable job for you. And maybe Tampa want to look at doing that is to, is saving the money, getting one of those types of players in. I wanted Mariota to, to uh, Tampa, that'd be, that'd be crazy. But spending less money and re-upping, knowing that in a couple of years you'll, fi- you'll, you'll find, you'll go again for that, for that franchise quarterback. But I guess a lot, what do you think in terms of what the water margin is for a, for a quarterback, the level that you need to realistically contend for a Super Bowl? Yeah, it's it's a tough one. I see the thing is, I think when you look at Jameis Winston, if you were to go into a lab and create a quarterback, yeah, he would be close to what you would design. Yeah. Height, strength, speed, good arm. It's not a work ethic issue. He trains harder than anybody else in the team. It's not passion and desire. I was in the press conference on Sunday and he had tears in his eyes. Yeah. So it's not it's it, it's none of that. It, it's something mentally in his head where he thinks he has to win every game on his own. Yeah. And he's had three coaches now. Admittedly, I wasn't a big fan of the first two. I thought Arians would have got that out of him. Who was his, fir- who was his not- first coach? His first coach was uh, Lovey Smith. Oh, of course it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah Lovey for one year, which Lovey was just very much uh, put your arm around. Lovely guy. But when you're losing a lot of games, you don't need people to put your arm around you and, and tell you how great everything is. You need someone to tell you what, what the, the harsh reality is. Um, but he had a relationship well, yeah. with, with Dirk Cutter. That and that's as why well. Dirk yeah, I was going to say, yeah, he, uh, I mean, that's, that's an interesting tandem, isn't it? So Lovey being a defensive head coach, it depends the, obviously on the strength of your coordinator there. Because I think if you are a, a head coach, you're a young quarterback in a situation and your head coach is an offensive mind, I think, in and a strong character, uh, which you're probably going to be if you're a head coach. I think that inevitably helps. You know, look at Andy Reid and Mahomes, look at McVeigh and um, and Goff. So, but then you know, Dirk Cutter got the gig, and and maybe did he because then you're jumping from coordinator to to head coach, which isn't always a natural transition, not least because of all the other stuff you got to deal with. So, I think he's had a similar problem to the one sam bradford had for years which is too much change and not a very good team around him so you know bradford had a new offensive coordinator every year and the playbook's changing all the time and the team's not that good you know prescott bounced into a already sorted situation relatively speaking you know um goff 
fell into a situation where there was a really clear game plan and an exceptional coach uh, and staff around him uh, and and the talent to, to support that as well. But Winston hasn't really had that, you know, he's just had a kind of indifferent, you know, quite streaky, not great series of teams and around him. And he, yeah, he's, he's got heavyweight receivers to play with, but you know, that's not going to make a playoff team. Well, I, I think this is why I would say to anybody it's, it's been six games yeah. You give him the full 16. Worst case scenario, you could franchise tag Winston, which is an expensive option, but it Good point. De- it defers the, the, the conversation for a yep. year. Yep. And you make that decision as to what you want to do. Because if Bruce Arians, the quarterback whisperer, can't get him on that page. And, and as we said, you know, he was playing the best football of probably his career up until this game. I mean, he wasn't amazing in uh, New Orleans, but he wasn't terrible. He didn't lose that game. Um, the New Orleans defense, Marshall and Lattimore have fantastic games. And sometimes you've got to stick your hand up and say that you were beaten by uh, a better football team. Um, but I think as well, the, the problem I have is I don't necessarily hold Winston responsible for a lot of the turnovers on Sunday. You know, mm. the first one, Mike Evans doesn't run the route. He throws the ball. It's picked off. You know, yeah. he gets in front, he picks it off. It's the first throw of the game. It's unfortunate, but... It's what Winston does. He, he makes he, he makes the throws. He expects Evans to be there. He's not, and it looks bad on the quarterback. The second and third, his arms get hit as he's throwing the football. That's going to skew it. And we saw one that sailed right over OJ Howard's head into into the defensive player's hands, and it's because his arms tipped. So you look at those three, and you think, well, how much of that was on him? Yeah. And then you, you look at the fact that he had more quarterback pressures then Kyle Allen had completions in the game, which is an incredible stat. Yeah, yeah. Talking about 20-odd quarterback pressures, sacked seven times, because the right side of the offensive line was out of the game. Oh, totally banged up. Yeah, exactly. Well, this is it. I mean, you know, it's not rocket science. Everyone's raving about Sean Watson. He's a great quarterback. I mean, I think he is genuinely a great uh, quarterback. And it's no coincidence that the last two games, he hasn't had to suffer a single sack, whereas the previous however many games, he's had 417 sacks, you know? I mean, it's, <laughs> it doesn't take a genius to work out why uh, they are humming, you know, when you protect your quarterback. It is one of the basic tenets of the game. Uh, it's a good point you make about that first interception. Uh, we were chatting before we came on air about my five-a-side team, and on Tuesday, I started the game in goal, and I'm an alright keeper, I think, you know, I, I can hold my own in goal, and uh, we were maybe 30 seconds into the game and I made a save and uh, they saved it, controlled the ball, backing off. One of my players like called for it quickly. Uh, it was the right call. It was the right throw. It was read by their sneaky striker. It came straight. So it's basically what I'm admitting to here is a carrier style gaff. Um, <laughs> and it was knocked past me 1-0. <laughs> the, the, the reason I bring it up was... I could have turned around and said, oh, you know what? That was on, that was on Andrew Jolly. Cause I, you know, it, it was on me 100%. And I think to your point, everyone straight away said, oh, that was on Winston. Yeah. Oh God, look at it. What's he doing with his first throw of the game? And, and it, sometimes it's not always as clear as that. Same with sacks actually, you know, and, and flipping that to the offensive line. Oh yeah. This offensive line is terrible. They've allowed seven sacks. Well, if your quarterback's hanging onto the ball for 27 seconds, <laughs> then, That's you know, a little bit's on them as well. So yeah, it's a really, uh, it's a really good point you make. Uh, and I like the franchise tag. I do I think that's, that is probably the, the smartest play that I, that I think is what they should do. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think you don't have the capital to move up in this draft. You've got teams that are going to be drafting quarterbacks I don't think the free agency market this year is going to give you anybody of significant interest unless you want to buy Eli, which if you do... One of the Jags quarterbacks, I reckon, will go on the market. And I reckon they might deal Foles because it's... Well, a lot depends on whether Minshew starts to implode. And we all got a bit carried away about him. But I could see them dealing Foles. But I take your point. It's not exactly a a particularly rich market. And on the the show this week, uh, if uh, you're into that or your team is likely in the hunt for a quarterback. Ben Isaacs, who we mentioned earlier, who's a college whiz, uh, gives his top five quarterbacks in the draft. Uh, So if you're kind of one of those NFL fans that may watch a bit of college, but doesn't really know what's going on, that is a decent, it's the Wednesday episode, I think. Check it out because Ben, Carson's on and then Ben comes on at the end for the last 10 minutes, rattles through those. And it's interesting. He'll tell you kind of who the, 
who the realistic first round talents are and the kind of players they are as well, which I think is always useful when you just, and, and a bit more insight than just the highlight reel stuff. So yeah, it's a, he's a sharp boy, Ben, and he's got some interesting theories on that. No, he does indeed. Uh, I, I've enjoyed talking to him and I really loved his book as well that he, uh, he, he, he made about the, the history of the NFL and yeah, that's uh, great. unbelievable read. Um, so, you know, it was a pleasure to get a copy of that in advance and, and read it. I, I noticed a couple of, uh, mistakes in there and sent them to him before it went off so legend i'll t- you'll have to tell me off air what they were so i could wind him up about them yeah i'll dig them out i sent them to him as well so uh, I'll, I'll be able to find them but um <laughs> th- that's uh the w- one more thing i want to touch on london games is we saw kyle allen so we saw kyle allen go to four and oh he's won yeah. his last five starts cam has lost his last eight let's say hypothetically cam is fit coming into week eight who are you starting as your quarterback for the carolina panthers in week eight carl allen or or cam newton that's the thing if cam cam is not going to be fit i mean even if he's starting he's not right he's not going to come back and be 100 percent, and that's the problem i think so it's a real dilemma we had on uh, i think it was on the radio show we were doing as opposed to the pod uh well it doesn't matter anyway we had a, a a beat reporter from charlotte on just after Cam went down, it was just before, it was the night of Kyle Allen's start, right? First start. And he was talking about the, and when they were 0-2. So he was talking about the very real possibility it's going to be all change in Carolina. Rivera going, Cam going, front office going. Uh, and that's how they were talking it up. So they're now suddenly, what, 4-2, and two, playoff contender. And in that respect, I think you might have to ride the hot hand. I mean, if, if he keeps winning, I think it's going to be really hard to bench him. And it's like the situation in Chicago insofar as if you've got a great defense and I think the Bears defense is, is probably better than the Panthers but the Panthers have a good defense you've got a great defense uh, and playmakers offensively do you want a quarterback that is gonna not lose you the game versus a quarterback that has higher upside but could lose you the game and I guess it's the Jameis problem right he's a he's he's more of a playmaker than Trubisky Chase Daniel um, uh, Kyle Allen you know, but he, he's going to throw picks. He's going to gamble. And uh, Baker Mayfield, the same, right? He's not as good a quarterback, I don't think, but he's going to always try and force the issue. That's just in his nature. Whereas Kyle Allen is not that kind of player. He is somebody that is going to be, and they're going to also build an offense around him accordingly. It's the same thing that Sean Payton's done with Teddy, change that offense to accommodate the limitations and the skill set of that different quarterback. And it's fine that you're not necessarily the greatest player you can still be a highly successful quarterback obviously and so they've got to make that decision do they want to go a with a banged up cam whether he's 70 percent or 65 percent and gamble that well by having him he's going to make mistakes but he might if we're uh you know if we're in a four-point hole with two minutes to go in the divisional round of the playoffs who is more likely to get us the win and that's what they've got to work out. And I think it will come down to that. Yeah. I said on Tuesday's pod that I would take Carl Allen and wouldn't think and wouldn't flinch because yeah. for me, Carl Allen has almost the air of a, and I, I don't want this to be a skill comparison, but of a, a Drew Brees in the sense of Drew Brees has this amazing ability to be under center and just not buckle under pressure. Get, you know, he doesn't make that many mental mistakes. He might get beaten. He might get beaten by a team who puts up a good defense and, um, you know, they might read the, the the coverage. They might, you know, read the routes. They might just step in front. They might just be a better football team and, and that definitely happens. Or you might get cheated by the refs is what Drew Brees would probably be saying if he was on here. <laughs> <laughs> but low, I get low. that feeling Kyle Allen is very much the same. Kyle Allen is someone that I've seen in the five games He's played, and admittedly it's five games, so it's a small sample size. Well, you don't have to worry about him turning the football over and losing the game for you. You feel yep. very comfortable that he can make the throws. He can he can play the uh, the offense to where it needs to play, and he can lean on the strengths and, and not lose you the game. And I think if you're the yep. Panthers right now, you're in a division where you've won four straight. It's a tough division. You're in a tough conference where you're probably going to need 10 wins to get into the playoffs. Yeah, I'd rather take the are. guy who's not going to lose you games when you've got someone like Christian McCaffrey behind you yeah. and you've got that great defense than have someone who could win you games but ultimately could cost you games. I look at their next few games, right? They've obviously got the 49ers, the 
<coughs> excuse me, after the bye, um, the Packers and the Falcons, the Titans in the mix as well, then the Saints, and assuming Breeze is back for that, right? Yeah. A lot of those, they're, they're going to be putting points on the board. So that is the question whether Allen, I know he had the four touchdowns in the first game, but whether he's able to operate at that level when you need to be chasing the game or stacking up the points, can he do that? Tennessee, sure, it'll be 17-14 probably, but the other ones, I think they could be in a shootout. Who do you want in a shootout more, Kyle Allen or a slightly banged up Cam Newton? It's a difficult call. Yeah, that's fair. I hadn't thought of that. That's a good one to go to. Okay, and then just moving on to, because it's a fantasy football podcast and I'm conscious of time, um, you play a little bit of fantasy football. Uh, I know we've spoken before that you, uh, you you claim not to be amazing at it, but how, how are you getting on this season? <laughs> Terribly. I've, so I am, <laughs> I'm actually going on, uh, I'm going on Matthew Barry's show next week, uh, which I, I, I usually do every year when there's a game in London. So uh, and now we're ESPN stable mates again. I'm uh, I'm going to go on. So I'm going to be just pleading for advice here. I'm actually, I'm playing in my first dynasty league this year, which I okay. quite enjoy. Yeah. So, and I'm doing all right in that. So I am, uh, well, I'm two and four in that. And I, ju- I should point out as well, and this isn't an excuse. And I hate that. I, I, I promise your listeners, I'm not that guy in the league that doesn't pay any attention and, you know, has loads of players who are on a bye week and everything else but sometimes particularly because we broadcast on a sunday night uh, i do i do forget to have a close look at matchups more that i would never or touch wood hopefully never set a team that has players on a bye week but i don't i keep thinking well i'll go back to it again and look at it and look at the matchups a bit more carefully and uh and i forget to do that and i'm also very bad at deal making um, so I never really propose any deals. But apart from that, I'm doing really well. And uh, so in the Dynasty League, my team is knock on wood LDN, which at the time seemed uh, like a really waggish, smart title till I realized they're, it's probably the most hack name for a team <laughs> this season. They are two and four, but I'm still in it. Two and four in a, yeah. and I'm projected to win this weekend. So um, I got I got undone in that actually i'm in three leagues what am i talking about so that's the that's the dynasty league i'm in and then i'm in uh will gavin's had a league for years um which i'm a kind of legacy member of which i always do very very badly but never quite the worst uh i'm always just pretty crap and i'm doing i'm doing pretty badly in that i'm just opening up the app actually to tell you exactly where where i am in that but the league i'm doing best in is is my show league uh the espn show pod the nakum show pod uh, where I'm 500, I'm three and three, so I'm right in it. I'm playing Nicky Bandini this weekend, and let's have a look. So I'm one and five in Will Gavin's league, so forget about it. I'm already out out of the running there. But yeah, I'm playing Nicky this weekend, and it's going to be tight. So I've got, let's have a look. So I've got Mahomes, I've got Marlon Mack and Frank Gore, I've got Julio, I've got Gallup. He's an injury doubt, isn't he? So I'm a bit worried about that. I've got. Uh, Dallas Goddard I've got Devin Singletary he was I expected a bit more from him uh, the Rams D and then Dan Bailey's my kicker so here are some of the blows I've had AJ Green thanks for that who else actually that league I've done alright in injury wise I, I backed Freeman as opposed to Lindsay in terms of the Denver running backs which um, was, you know I think Lindsay's got four touchdowns and more carries and Freeman hasn't got any and that was just to pick him I could have had either and I just got unlucky there and I, I you know one of my long shot sleeper picks was Preston Williams who um, you know is doing the best he can on a on a Dolphins team that's awful so yeah I, I think in the other league I, I went with Antonio Brown as well so I was one of those idiots that made that mistake um, I made the same in my home league yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that cost me a first round pick. So I was always against the eight ball after that. So actually, in fairness, in Will Gavin's league, I um couldn't be at the draft. It's a live draft, and I was filming, so I couldn't go. So I got uh, Adam Goldstein, uh, who some of your listeners may know, uh, r- drafted for me, and he's a Bears fan, and just drafted. He drafted buddy Trubisky. Um, <sighs> I mean, it's just unbelievable Homer draft, um, which did me no favors whatsoever so that uh, in my defense i gave him quite extensive notes of what i wanted done and he acknowledged some of them but still seemed to be picking bears above everybody else which was uh, all a bit suspicious <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad shape and this is where the waiver wire is is so important and uh, right i've got a message you can pass on to to matthew berry from myself and stock so we okay. play in the scott fishbowl which is 
uh, sort of like an analyst and fans charity tournament that's in its uh, ninth year. Um, there's 1,200 people in this. Yeah. So it's a huge fantasy tournament. Uh, Matthew Berry total points scored is 145th out of uh, 1,200. Yeah. Pretty good going. We're 64th. Wow, fellas. So, uh, yeah, so you just tell him that he's been beaten by two limeys who aren't hired by ESPN <laughs> and are running a, a podcast in, yeah. out of uh, one of their mum's uh, garage. So, <laughs> <laughs> If I could smack talk him, I will. They've got, it's, all, it's all changed now on that part because they've got a TV show and everything. So it's I'm not quite sure. Yeah, uh, what I'm, uh, I'm not sure I'll be allowed. Hopefully I'll, he'll let me get away with as much nonsense as, as we normally do on it. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm waiting for a uh, uh, running order, so <laughs> we'll see what that looks like. Well, look, uh, one last question then, because I'm conscious we've been spinning for about an hour now, is uh, hot hot take then. I always like to give someone uh, a real thought-provoking question, a really difficult question to end on. So uh, who is going to win the Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl 54 in, in Miami uh, in February? Wow. Um, mm. Okay, I do feel that the Patriots will win the AFC because I just think they're going to get home field advantage and I think it's going to come down to that uh, and I think it will almost certainly be a Patriots Chiefs championship and I think they'll do it in Foxborough grudgingly admit that um, the NFC is harder to call I think the Packers look dangerous because I think their offense isn't anywhere near I think it's just going to get better and better with the Fleur and Rogers just getting stronger and stronger. So I think they are dangerous, but I want to say, I, I think I'm going to go with the saints. There's so many uncertainties about breeze. Assuming breeze comes back and is relatively fit. I'm going to say a saints Patriots super bowl and the saints win it. <laughs> there you go. I like that. That's there a great twist. I, I think... like that. Although I would be annoyed if the Saints win, but uh, it yeah. would be fun for the city of New Orleans. I'm protect. saying a Bengals Jets. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's impossible. Sorry. I'm saying a Bengals Falcons Super Bowl <laughs> and the Falcons win. Bengals, the, the only team in the in the NFL with a worse record than the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> Can the uh, Bengals still make the playoffs? Mathematically, they can, right? Still, the yeah, they can. They yeah. can. They can win out. Um, I think they could <laughs> probably get away with one more loss. There is a site that works out playoff percentages. Um, yeah, I reckon they're under one percent already, <laughs> yeah. but they are mathematically still in the hunt. So, um, I, I love those American graphics on on the television shows where they've got you know playoff teams, playoff teams in the hunt. <laughs> so yeah. at the moment, it's still the whole field. Yeah. Exactly. And, I'm calling Redskins Jets right here on the show right now. And listen, week 15, that could be a really big game. Dolphins Bengals for the number one seed. Why would anyone in that situation do anything but lose that game? I mean, just, just don't don't do it. Although, actually, this uh, don't want this to become plug-tastic, but on the thing, show I mentioned earlier with Ben Isaacs, he was talking about the slight doubts creeping in about Tua. Yeah, that's the latest narrative going on there. So I don't know. Maybe it's not as straightforward as it as it looks. But um, but yeah, I, I, for God's sake, if you're going to be bad, just be bad enough to get the first pick. Uh, and uh, I can just see the Dolphins just screwing it up and getting two wins. And you know, and it's just it wouldn't it would be textbook Miami if that happened. Well, John Gruden did it last year. He was almost nailed on for that one pick, and then he pulled off a win against Denver and. Uh, yep. Pulled off another late win and got himself up to the fourth pick, um, yep. leaving Arizona to uh, to take the one pick. And uh, mind you, I still don't think he would have gone Kyler Murray even if he had the one pick. Yeah, he's so better off with Carr, as we said earlier. So yeah, it's all good. Nat, this has been a, a, an absolute pleasure. Why don't you tell everyone where they can uh, find your work, your columns, uh, the podcast, all your shows, everything? Well, it has been a pleasure. Uh, thank you for having me on. And listen, congratulations on the pod. It is, it is great to see it going from strength to strength. Uh, and next time you are at Spurs or at Wembley, wherever, come at, definitely come and break some bread. Um, the, yeah, look, I won't plug much. J- just my ESPN pod, I think, because uh, we have moved to ESPN this year and uh, I, we're spreading the word with it. Uh, the Nat Coombe Show, so available on all good podcatchers, easy to find, The Nat Coombe Show, and as well as Carlson, Nikki Bandino mentioned Marek, Tom Deacon, J Bell. J Bell's in the house tomorrow, actually. He's in the studio with us. So, a lot of regulars from the UK scene that you guys will know and love. 
uh, we have some great guests from the states as well. So Matthew Berry, I mentioned, um, and a lot of the ESPN Galaxy representing too. So it is a lot of fun to do, and I think uh, hopefully you know the way that this uh, chat and show has gone will give you some kind of insight into into the style and direction of it. And we kind of you know make sure there's plenty of news and info, and you're getting you up to speed for what is going on, but also have a bit of fun with it as well. So yeah, the Natcom Show. Uh, ESPN show on all good podcatchers. Yeah, definitely, definitely tune in four times a week now, which is good. That's the one good. Well, there's many good things about you moving to ESPN, but you've also increased the amount of shows you do, which is uh, which is amazing. I tune yeah. in every episode. I absolutely love it. I'm sure most of you are already listening. If you're not, definitely go check it out because you're missing out. But it's been a real pleasure having you on. We'll have to get you back at the end of the season after the Super Bowl and uh, and everything's all worked out. Or maybe after the draft and we can hear about your Vegas stories. And what, great uh, shot. Great shot. Let's do after the after the Redskins Jets Super Bowl. Let's do that. And then after the Vegas uh, draft, if I come back after hanging out with Manny Kess for four days, uh, which I cannot wait. Uh, amazing. Well, look, uh, thanks for your time. Rush Nation, do follow all our articles on the website. Uh, we've published uh, Start Sits, we've published Waiver Wire, we've published our uh, Lockdown, so looking at wide receiver matchups versus quarterbacks. Check out all the amazing content. We've just got a new writer who's written a trade article, which Nat probably will read after this, so he can learn how to get some trades done. But until next Monday for the Monday Night Takeover, keep rushing. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.